I was thinking that maybe you stick something in and then you stand up and see if it'll fall out. But you would need different weights. Yeah, you well, and and, and how you stand would matter too. To her point, wetness can matter a little bit. Like if you're sure. if you're more wet. Hello, and welcome to Your Mileage May Vary. We talk about sex and relationships with frankness that is controversial, but mostly in good faith. On today's show, we're going to revisit our conversation last week about how a young woman should lead her life. And then we have a hodgepodge of topics, including a woman body shaming her man, loose vaginas, and more. I'm Keith. My co-host is Mike. Uh, Mike, I just ran 31 miles. Have you run that far? Uh... I probably not run run would be the wrong word because when I did a run that long, it was uh, extremely, it was kind of one of these over the mountain deals. And so I, there were parts of it that I intentionally walked because it was very vertical. I have some memory of you turning in a 30 mile effort on Strava at some point, but maybe I'm, I think that's what I, I think that's what I'm describing. I thought it was in the city, but I think that was 20 miles. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to. I mean, it's strange that I'm misremembering it if that's indeed what's going I'm on. I'm not positive. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might have been. Yeah. That might have happened. I think it did. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll look. And Good for me. Report back. <laughs> Good for past you. Yeah. Um. So, as predicted, we got some <laughs> largely <laughs> negative feedback on some of your comments last week. And we wanted to have a longer form discussion about it. Um, how should we do this? Should we repeat what you said? Should we have a meta conversation about why people may have misinterpreted what you said? Like, how, what, what, how should we proceed? I don't think they misinterpreted it, but let, yeah, let me <clears throat> really briefly summarize the position that I was taking. The position I was taking is essentially that the historical uh, way that uh, in Western culture, but frankly, in all human culture, effectively all human cultures, all advanced human cultures, that men and women uh, have uh, operated in terms of uh, dating behavior, mating behavior, marriage, things like that, that that is an evolved system that is close to optimal for both the men and the women. And that when some, when one or other, the other party kind of strays away from that, and that's, it's an evolved system based on, you know, genetic predispositions that the vast majority of people in the population have. And then when you stray away from that, you have trouble. And why don't you describe the critique that uh, you, that we've gotten from a couple people? Yeah. I mean, I think, that sort of like first level thing is I think when people hear that, they're hearing something like, I read this tweet by, I don't know, do we decide if it was Aya girl or Ella girl? Um, anywhere, her tweet was something like, okay, I have it here. She says, I thought we got over the whole people with different sexual preferences than me are traumatized and going to destroy society thing when we accepted the gays, but I guess we still have a long thing to go. And I think what she's responding to is, well, she has some fairly (laughs) divergent sexual proclivities that she posts about a lot and probably gets plenty of negative feedback about it. And I think her experience is that, yeah, just because her 
fetishes and sexual desires are non-standard, that doesn't necessarily mean that she's damaging society. But I think you might make an argument or you're beginning to make an argument that she she may be, or at least operating in a way that is non-ideal for even herself. I think that it's important to <clears throat> acknowledge the fraction of people, a couple of things, because there were a couple of pieces there. The fraction of people that a certain behavior set represents. Uh, so, so I think that's important. And I think it's also important to kind of look into the question of what is behind certain behavior sets. So she brought up uh, gays and lesbians. Yeah, homosexuality. And there's there's a, a significant amount of data that and that is sort of scientific evidence that that is um, maybe not genetic, but a consequence of things that happen kind of prenatally. People are born gay and lesbian, homosexual. Uh, and I also would believe that there's a percent, I personally think it's, there's some evidence, this is something that would be more difficult to be sure about, that there are people born trans, that they are not born, you know, they've, they've, they're mentally, there's something different between them and, and their body. Uh, and that that's important because those are people where you're not looking for a root cause. You're not saying, oh, this is a person who was abused or something happened to them. This is a person who was, who was born that way. I also think, you know, there are men who are born uh, very asexual, not very promiscuous, and there are women who are born the other direction with much more sort of right. the other direction characteristics. Yeah. I mean, presumably promiscuity, which is what we're going to debate here or discuss, is, yeah, there's some distribution and some people feel more compulsion to be sexually promiscuous than others. Right. And the, the, I think the challenge is that if, if I say, let's say I say 3% of the population is homosexual. I have no, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's difficult to know exactly what it is. Um, that's not zero, but it's not 50 either. And so people hear that and they might think, oh, well, or, or, or talk about like women who are uh, on the more promiscuous side. There's a certain percentage of people that are going to have that trait, that are going to have that characteristic. But the question is, you know, to the extent to which you would generalize to all of society about that and say, oh, well, you know, this is just the standard behavior. And or, or this is exactly the same as the more traditional, traditional culturally um, derived behaviors, and that can be be a problem for society because essentially you're then uh, you're you're then let's see, you could imagine having a map for a teenager of how their life is likely to go, and the map could be displayed with wide roads for the things that apply to 80% of people and then smaller roads for the things that apply to 5%, 2%, 1% of people. And then that's a useful guide to life. Now, I think what people are sort of pushing for in society is either to completely erase and throw away that map or to make it, to render it sort of unusable by making it so all the lines are identically thick. So you're not allowed to tell people that 80% of people are this way and only 2% of people are that way. You have to pretend like they're all exactly identical choices. And the rationale for this is we don't want to discriminate against someone or uh, make them feel uncomfortable if they're in that 2%. But the problem is that the people in the 80% then don't know that they now have like 27 choices and they have no idea what's normal. 
or in the word normal, I realize is loaded. I just mean by normal, I mean typical. more than 80. Yeah, typical. That's what I mean. I don't mean that like everybody's abnormal in some way on that. Yeah, typical is a better word. What's typical? Yeah. And so you're sort of racing that. Um, I have a set of, I have what I, what I would call a steel manning because I sat down and I tried to imagine I'm one of these folks who criticizes uh, what I was putting forward last week and then say, okay, well, what, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if I should try to reiterate what I think you said first, but maybe the steel manning okay. will do that. Maybe the steel manning okay. will do that. Yeah. I'm, 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 but the point is I'm going to try to say what I think like in a, an objective, I'm trying to be objective, trying to be charitable and say like, this is what I think they believe. And I'd like to go through the points and see if there are things where that you don't think I'm being fair, if you think like, no, that's okay. not actually what they meant. Okay. Let's do it. So I, I just, I only have like six things here. Um, so the first one is their, their belief system is that historically men were in charge and controlled both men and women's mating behaviors. So basically all of the cultural history that I'm talking about was controlled by men. And again, this is a steel manning of their position. This is what I think they, the way they look at it. The women basically had very little role in defining the cultural how sexual values. relationship, yeah. How sexual relations? Do you do you think that that's a presupposition of what they say? Yes. Okay. Um, now, my second point is mating strategies per se, and the way I'm saying. So basically, what I'm saying a mating strategy, I mean like something that's pre-programmed into people's brains. This is how people pursue mating. Men do this, women do that. They believe these things do not exist, and people's decisions about how they will interact sexually, romantically is a result of their own free will and their own cultural experiences. I think they believe that. As opposed to what? As opposed to pre-programmed. So like, you know, if you look in nature, uh, you know, uh, the male fish knows that when the female fish deposits its eggs, it needs to fly by and shoot some sperm over it. Or there are these, th these things that it's not really thinking, right? It's, 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 but but this, it's this sort of tabula rasa idea that like humans don't have instincts like animals do and humans, uh, yeah. So humans have to reason out what they're going to do. And every person makes independent choices of their okay. own, of their own free will about what they're okay. going to do here based on culture. Okay. Okay. Do you, oh, do you think that's not what they believe? I, it's too simple, simplistic or something. I don't know. Well, <laughs> presumably these, these dominoes are being set up in, for a reason, uh, I think I think that um, yeah, for the sake of moving this along, uh, yes, I think that plays into some number of the people who were offended's opinions on this. Okay, and my next point is that uh, culture, this 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 resulting culture that is male dominated, lowered the promiscuity of women. Whereas the default behavior set, because men were in power in the past and men's behaviors in the past, men sort of consistently across history have had this more promiscuous, more body yes. behavior. Right. But that, because men were in power, that's actually the default behavior for humans. It's okay, to be so more body, more promiscuous, and only women were impacted by this sort of lessening of promiscuity, lessening of bodiness right. because yeah. of male-dominated culture. Yeah. So women's promiscuity has historically been suppressed due to uh, cultural pressures that they think were unfair. Yeah. And importantly, men's haven't been, men's hasn't been enhanced by that because men had the power. So men just did whatever they wanted and men are the default behavior for humans. Okay. The next one is that as females gain power, they're going to become more promiscuous because they're going to have adopt more of the traditional male behaviors. 
uh, because now they have more power. So they, they will bring out their true free will oriented behavior, which is, hey, it's more fun to be hedonistic and have lots of sex. Okay. So the increase, the, the recent, and recent can be whatever time frame we want to you want it to be, but the, the last decades increase in female promiscuity is because of other cultural things that uh, have maybe granted women more power to be making decisions about promiscuity with their own free will, rather than that's right, cult, rather than in, imposed cultural value. Right, and so as complete, full people, just as men are, with their own free will, their own mind, they look at the set of choices in front of them and they say, "Look." Having sex is more fun than not having sex or whatever, whatever decision-making process they use. And they become more promiscuous because that's like, it's free will oriented. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That was four. Now my, yeah, my fifth point is therefore any historical data I bring up about male, female relationships is not useful and should be rejected because since it was completely based on this environment where men were in control, it actually has no probative value as to like what would work well for a woman, right? If you go to 1930, hey, just forget it because even if a woman said she was happy back then or whatever, like it just doesn't it, it doesn't matter because she was subjugated and under the control of men. I mean, which I think is a fair sure. point. Okay, sure. Um, so number six, with modern free choice, you have women becoming about as hedonistic as men. And you wind up with male and female behaviors that are around the same that is very sexually promiscuous. I think that's a steel manning of what they're saying. I don't know if they would say equal, but certainly much well, as more much as they want. than it's historically been. Yeah, there's, there's it was as much, much as they want. They're going to make a, a reasonable choice. Okay. Um, that's, that's basically it. That's my steel manning of their case. Um, any I'm reactions to, to think, that? I'm trying to think if there's other caveats and things that they might add. I think there's also going to be something. There's also going to be something around because you're a man and because maybe you subscribe to these, uh, to a number of these sort of like old fashioned beliefs, your thoughts on this should like be rejected almost as a matter of course, because you've established that that you aren't an ally or something. Well, that's why I'm trying to, I mean, right. So the, I think that's but, to this meta that's, point. That's, that like, that's ad hominem, right? That's not actually yes. arguing on the merits. Right. You can take the position that no matter what, I, no matter how hard I try to come up with what I think are their arguments, I'm still going to like inject some virus into it by, because I don't actually uh, agree with their, their key parts of this. I don't agree with obviously. Um, and so that would, uh, but I mean, is there, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if, I didn't know, for example, if maybe, um, maybe these folks would in, in, in general acknowledge that people, that human beings do have some instinctual, uh, mating behaviors. I wasn't sure if like that, that position, I'm taking a too strong of a position on that. They may, but I don't know if that, uh, you guys would definitely probably disagree on the degree of that. And so whether there's a black and white separator thing okay. or an 80-20 separator thing there is not really... I, I don't know. I don't know what your like uh, subsequent points are going to be here, but I don't think that should matter. Um, well, I mean, I think I, I mean, I think that given that, that steel manning, I think it's somewhat difficult to 
uh, argue my earlier position, right? I mean, if you if you accept that steel manning, it makes it difficult to argue that uh, women should adopt more traditional cultural behaviors because you're basically saying like, what happened in the past is irrelevant. It was completely male dominated. Women had no power. Blah 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 blah. There's a series of things that make it so that then you you have the. I think it's a consistent worldview. I think it's wrong, but it's a consistent worldview that I can sort of respect. Well, I can't even respect it, but I can understand it. I can understand how somebody comes to to believe that that you know this is this is the situation that obtains. Uh, maybe I mean you could use some data collection to try to figure out what the objective truth is. Um, although measuring happiness and life satisfaction is notoriously very difficult to do. Meaning life satisfaction around like whether becoming more promiscuous is making women happier. Right. I think there probably are too many confounding variables. Like, so, I mean, so no matter what you, there, there are too many elements in a person's life uh, for them to, for them to. Yeah, but you could, I mean, I don't even know, but you could look at population wide um, statistics and in places where people have much more monogamy and two to three child having and you know similar gdp per capita to places that have less monogamy and less children having and presumably more promiscuity uh you could try and draw some comparisons there but yes correlation does not necessarily mean causation yeah so i mean i can i can give what i think is the best I've thought about this a lot too, the best response that I can give to this. Although I do think it's an internally consistent, though wrong, uh, way of looking at things. Uh, what I think is that, um, I think that mating strategies are not, I think mating strategies do exist, that there is a basic male and female mating strategy and they strongly exist. So I don't think that the, the way people approach this is consistent with what you would call free will. And there's like, people probably don't have free will either. So that's like another, another question there. But I, but I think that like, these are things you're born with just in the same way that homosexuality you're, it could be born with. So it's like, I don't think it's that surprising that how you approach mating would be. Uh, and are these mating strategies similar or analogous to any other mammals or what do you, what, what do you think these two mating strategies are, the male one and the female? Oh, one? I just, the ones you would find in the literature that men basically have an incentive to have uh, a multiplicity of partners to spread their genetic material around and women have an incentive because they're the ones that would carry the baby to um, try, try, try to form a relationship with the man so that he'll stick around and help care for the baby to make sure that it survives uh, to create an intact family and those, okay. and those two things. But here, here's the point I want to make. This is the critical point I want to make uh, because it's actually kind of difficult to argue against like this is an internally consistent kind of narrative. And it's sort of hard to argue against it because if you believe each of these items, it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't think that people have inbuilt instincts, for example, it's like, you know, it's sort of hard to argue with you. Like right. that requires like taking babies and like tying them to toilet seats or something and seeing what happens when they haven't been taught any culture. And it's, it's kind of difficult to like create counterfactuals here. But um, what I would say is this, um, if, if from my perspective, uh, men and women have evolved, evolved not learned, evolved, meaning men and women have behaviors that worked historically for thousands of years that caused evolution to sort of train our brains when we're born to act a certain way. When women operate in a way that does not follow that evolutionary 
path. And of course, some women are going to want to do that anyway. It's just a question from like what we said at the beginning of the podcast. Some women will do that anyway because there are percentages of the population that will be different types of people. And, and I'm, I'm talking about the bulk of people here, not like the people on the edges of the bell curve. When they do that, when you have 50% of women that are trying to adopt vastly different behaviors from their evolutionarily derived programming, men are going to outcompete them. And what I mean by that is that men are going to be following this path, and it's a complex path. There's a complex sort of interplay between the male and female roles. And because the women are trying to invent their own role, they're going to be outcompeted by the men. And the net result of that will be, in my opinion, that women who think they can do this when they are in their 20s will have sex with a bunch of guys, not very many times each. And the guys know exactly what they're doing because they're just following their genetic programming. The women are being, they're not, they don't know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to make it up as they go along. Then they will reach a certain age when they say, Hey, maybe I'd like to have kids, have a family. But you see, they haven't followed any of the processes that normally would be followed by a woman to accomplish those objectives. It will be too late. And they will never be able to actually fit back into the role that there's sort of is programmed into the brain. Again, I'm talking about the vast majority, the, the okay. majority of women okay, in the middle, okay. not okay. on the edges. Let's examine and they those will, They things. will sort of lose. Yes. Okay. The too late thing. And uh, what was the second thing you said? Oh, they won't be able taking to- Taking advantage by, taking advantage of by men too late. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they won't be able to like fit back I don't in. think you'll be able to turn on a dime because one of the people that you sent me their comment, I, I won't say any more about it, but your, the comment was something like, oh, I know somebody who had this kind of behavior and then on a dime at age- something turned around and, ha and, and and just became a family woman. I mean, anything's possible, but like life requires, you know, experience and learning. And it's, it's, you know, if I play checkers my whole life and then suddenly I say, oh, I'm now a chess grandmaster. It's like maybe, yeah. but it's sort of unlikely. It's much more likely that this person hasn't gone through the series of things to refine their play against the male play, uh, to be a good puzzle piece to match with the male puzzle piece to be a good partner. It's much more likely to me that that won't work out. Can we examine like one facet here? I sure. think it is. Okay. I think many women, and you see this in sort of non-coastal elite cities um, and indeed in non-American societies much more, but a lot of times women marry extremely young. Um, they, they choose a partner, you know, I mean, geez, in Eastern Europe, it seems sure, like they're all sure. teenagers. Um, but there's, yeah, the sort of collectively evolved and culturally imposed um, pattern seems to be getting married in an extremely young age. Now, let's say you want to maximize setting aside the family stuff. You just want to maximize lifelong sexual satisfaction. It seems like if you've only had, you know, even five sexual partners, and a lot of these people have had one or two, mm -hmm. um, in fact, the median might be one, uh, and I don't, you know, um, it seems like, it seems probable that you will be in a sexual relationship that is below what you might find if you dated, say, 10 or 15 men. If you slept with 10 or 15 men and then chose. Yes, I think that's true. Okay. Now, there may be some benefits to choosing early. 
um, at least in terms of finding a non-promiscuous man. I'm not, I don't know. I don't, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting a person get married when, and and the United States, I mean, basically all historical cultures had, had women getting married quite young, say more than 150 years ago. I'm not suggesting that. The thing I would say is something like this. There is a period of time during your life when your brain is more plastic. I think it's typically thought to be from say age 15 to 25, maybe a little older than that. And this is a period of time People, if, if people who are older than that sort of introspect, I think you'll see, and you can look up literature on it, that you have more density of memories from that time frame of your life. There, it's, it's, a, it's a period that's very important for sort of encoding yeah, I think it's something. density and intensity. Okay. Uh, so this is like a well-understood phenomenon, or it's believed to be well-understood. I assume it's replicatable. I don't know. Uh, I would suggest that women and men, actually both genders, should pursue their respective strategies during that time period in ways, deploy those strategies in ways that they learn as much as possible. So I'm not actually suggesting that probably the ideal time for both genders to marry is like in your late 20s. I'm not suggesting like teenage marriages. What I am suggesting though is a woman forcibly choosing to follow not the female script, unless they're in this unusual, I don't want to talk about the edges of the bell curve. I'm talking about like the median woman. Yeah. I think is a mistake because she then is using that plastic period of her, her, her brain's development and she's not learning anything about, she's not learning enough about how to actually interact with a man and have like a relationship. Maybe she's maximizing learning by seeing what different possibilities are. I just, I don't, so I, I think that's, I think that's, I respect that viewpoint. I think it's wrong because I think it gives short shrift to the fact that men are also optimizing something. That's the problem is that you're playing chess against another person. The yeah. men are, here's the thing, and this like, Men are adversarial, okay? But the women are too in this situation. Both genders are adversarial. And so I think when women say stuff like this, they don't realize that they, or may, maybe they do. I, I think often they don't consider that if, that the man is not pursuing his 12th partner, he's pursuing his 1200th partner. Right. They don't realize, I think that's the problem. Like they don't realize how adversarial the man is. For a man- no problem. Like I would love to have 1200 partners. And in fact, another point I would make, this, this gets to like sniping at the steel manning I did earlier. If men were completely in charge historically, if I were in charge of society, the way I would set it up is that you have a dominant relationship, but every man who has enough money or something would have like say two, a rotating cast of other women he could sleep with. So obviously men weren't in charge because, and I think that is typically like what men would actually prefer, right? Is having sexual variety. Yeah. Uh, point being that like men and then sexual variety. Yeah. Right. So actually that, so that's like a little flaw in the steel manning that I thought about, but I actually think that's sort of what they think is that men controlled what happened. But I think that's obviously not, that can't be right. Or men were very egalitarian and historically wanted every man to have a partner or something. But I, I don't think that's right. I actually think women had something to say. And if you read, uh, you know, Shakespeare or whatever, like, I think you'll see that women had something to say and were actually relevant in society going back a long time. Uh, and so I don't think these kinds of things were possible for men to set it exactly, but th- that's, that's sort of neither, neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So would the recommended, would the prescription be something like uh, date men with an eye toward uh, long-term monogamy? Yes, um, that's what women do. And then, yeah, but be willing to cut bait if they seem incapable for whatever reason. 
Well, I mean, that's this is basically what women do is that the the traditional sort of incumbent female strategy for the median woman is to pursue kind of, yeah, even in college or even in high school to have these relationships that kind of look like a marriage. Like they're trying to sort of like figure out how do I create a stable relationship with the guy. That was the other thing is you said optimizing sex by having a certain number of partners. Most, the median woman doesn't care as much about optimizing sex as the median man does. Yes, but this is the yeah. These, yes, but okay. Women would not would never concede that point. I think the median woman would. This is this is part of the see. This is part of the problem, is that a person. First of all, if a person's listened to our podcast, a woman has. She's already like toward one end of the bell curve. I think people have to figure out where they belong on the bell curve. Yeah, uh, for different traits. So it's like. Okay, fine. Maybe you're unusually uh, at one end of the bell curve for this, and you're and this advice is not applicable to you. That's totally fine. I'm not saying everybody should be the same. I'm not saying people, you know, women are just slaves to have babies for men or something. No, not at all. I'm just saying people should introspect about where they fall on that bell curve. And if you're like, hey, I'm totally unusual. Okay, that's cool. But if you're in the middle, you should be suspicious of doing something that is totally off the reservation in terms of what people historically have done, in my opinion, because I think you will be outcompeted by the men because the men don't do that. The men, <laughs> the men, the men have, I mean, there are alterations come that have happened in male behavior, but they have more to do with like dating apps, like this incel behavior, guys just kind of giving up. That's like a different thing. But I think males are very comfortable with pursuing their kind of basic strategy of just trying to have sex as much as possible, having as much variety as possible and going, okay, fine, I'll be monogamous if I'm sort of forced to by a woman. Right. But you know, you, a woman has to learn how to do that to a guy, right? If you have no idea how to do it, uh, then you're not doing it. The guy's having sex with other women, <laughs> which I, is my perception of what often happens in these situations. Yeah. I mean- a woman might be able to convince herself that uh, when Mr. Wright comes along, they'll change strategy. Sure, but but that's like me saying I'm going to switch from checkers to chess. Yeah, no, I understand. The I mean, like that's idea. very arrogant. It's it is frankly very arrogant to think, oh, I'm I'm so smart that I can just I'm just, I can just outwit all these guys. It's like that's probably not. Maybe you'll get lucky. You could be the one. It could happen. Right. But I would be, I would, I think that practicing getting those 10,000 hours in or whatever it is makes but more like, sense. What is the skill they're practicing? Entrapping a man? No, sort of. Uh, first of all, you have to understand, you just have to understand how men and women are different, which is, I think, can be a lifelong pursuit for both genders to understand, like, oh, you don't, you know, care about this as much as I do. Like this, I mean, I get laughed at about, uh, or whatever, mocked for things I say in terms of like, uh, you know, women not having orgasms from PIV sex very much. That's true. <laughs> it's just that I've like spent, I don't know, it's I've been married a long time. Like I've spent more, maybe more time with women. I'm not sure. But like, yeah. it's not. And the thing is that women, you know, if they're off by themselves with no men will be like, oh yeah, of course that's right. I'm not sure why I would get laughed at by women about that other than the like, they don't want to be mansplained to, which is okay, fine. Yeah. Um, so I think learning how the other gender thinks is really important. Um and then learning how your personality can mesh with the other genders is really important. And that's complicated. And conversely, a man is trying to figure out, you know, how he can how he can take advantage of women. And a lot of men, like I got married in my late 20s, okay. 
But a lot of men don't do that. And like, I have news for women that as a man gets from his 20s to his 30s to his 40s, he gets much better at playing the game. <laughs> and so that's a challenge, right? I mean, you're, you're, now, you're now probably up against a grandmaster who's incredibly good at this. And unless you're able to sort of see what I mean by this, I mean, saying the things you want to hear, having sex with you, moving the relationship on in the way he wants, right? Right. And, and it's obviously not settling down because he hasn't, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So like a distillation of your thesis here might be that promiscuous women do not get reps in on Maybe entrapping is the wrong word, but don't get reps reps in on relationship relation, building. relationship building with men. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, and 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 I admit, I was talking to a friend the other day who said that um, on the Love Lines t- uh, uh, talk show that Doctor Drew used to talk about. You've seen Sex in the City, I assume. You know the char- character Samantha, uh, yeah. played by the yeah woman who was the she's not on the, the new one mannequin. Right. She isn't because she's like 60 years old and she got tired of playing the role too because it's sort of a stupid role. Anyway, Dr. Drew would talk about how Samantha was, there are no women like that. Like that that woman does not exist. Now, I wouldn't go that strongly, although he, Dr. Drew knows more about this than I do for sure. But I would say that that is a, I agree with him to the extent that that's a very unusual type of person. If you really think you're Samantha, Right. So Samantha is the like uh, uh, fulfilled, life full of meaning. Uh, constantly sex-seeking at different partners every week, literally in the case of that show, um, and 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 is and is happy with that setup. Yeah, and I would say I would say I would say if if you think you're there, that's great. Just as I would say to a man, and there's an equivalent for men. If there was a man, or maybe not equivalent, but let's say let's say a man came to me and said, you know what, I just don't like sex. I don't like masturbating, and they'd never been abused. Because my first question would be like, well, were you molested? Because it's so unusual. Hey, there's probably some percentage of men that just have really low testosterone. There are, and just aren't that interested. Okay, like that's. But but yeah. again, like I'm, yeah, but- I'm I'm saying things that I think will be useful to the broadest set of people here. I'm not like it's not frankly that interesting to talk about Samantha. So if you're Samantha, great, good luck. But you're probably not. But okay. What if somebody had like a pattern where they like you know they date someone in college for three years, and then. They're single for a couple of years and then they date someone else for two and a half years and then they date a bunch of people. When I say date, I, I guess I mean sleep with. And then, you know, now they're 26 and they're in one of these phases where they're sleeping with a bunch of people because they haven't had a long-term partner recently. But they've had these like two longish term relationships in their past. Like what, what skill is it that they don't have Versus the person that instead of these like, you know, two periods where they were fucking a bunch of people, they, this, this, this hypothetical other person was in a third long relationship. Like, are they really that much more skilled at relationship building? Well, I mean, it's, it's idiosyncratic, right? I mean, I think that for some people it's going to be easier than others. And I think that's, that's where I do come. Like, that's why I would start to ask about what someone's childhood was like and stuff like that. Because, you know, if you come from a, certain type of family, you might have had more patterning. You learned some of it growing up. If you don't, then you might not have. Um, so there could yeah. be some things like that. But you know, it could just be also, uh, I mean, there's some people that just are wilder mentally. They have, you know, they're, they're just, they're different makeup mentally. And so, uh, the, the, yeah, there could be people it just comes easier for, or they might've just gotten lucky and found a partner that was really a good fit for them and it worked really well. Um, 
but so I'm not so yeah. And of course there are going to be people who are at the edges of that too. Like somebody who, who goes through what would be sort of a normal cadence of things and uh, as a woman and, and just does not, um, uh, find the right guy by a certain age. Like that's a certainly a thing that could happen. I still don't, but I still don't think that's like cause to a argue that, uh, w- what women actually want is to be super promiscuous and B call me a misogynist for, <laughs> for suggesting that, you know, right. I mean, I, you know, I mean like it's, if, the, well, I don't know if this is one of the people who did that, but I mean, if you're, if, if you've been in a two year relationship, then obviously you want to be in relationships. So it's like, okay, well then I'm, what I'm saying is sort of borders on normal and reality here. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, life is hard if you're basically like, I, I refuse to take advice from every, anybody. I want to figure everything out myself, et cetera, et cetera. It's very difficult. I, yeah. I guess I would prefer a woman that had cultivated a wider array of experiences. Like I would prefer someone who like half the time had been in relationships and half the time had been fucking around. Is that I think, because- I think it would be more interesting. Is that be- Yeah, but okay, let me ask you this. This is an important question. Would you prefer that for somebody you're going to date for three months or somebody you were going to marry? I think I would prefer it in someone I'm going to marry because- Are you I sure about that? I yeah, I think I am. I I find people who have had a more traditional path are naive on more topics and don't have Yeah, like they just haven't had as many experiences. Like I mean, and part of this is like my the, the way I run my own life, which is like I've I just like constantly am doing different stuff and like cultivating different experiences. And so I might overweight that. Like, yeah, so that like the downside on um, experience collecting is you might get like sort of, I don't know, cynical or destabilized or denormalized in some like fairly important ways. Um, like they might make an inferior mother, for example, but <laughs> I'm a bit ambivalent about children anyway. And so that's, yeah. Yeah, like if you reframe the question, like, I want the person that I'm like, that I think most likely will be the best mother. Yeah, maybe, maybe I would prefer someone. I mean, that's part of the problem is that, so, so the gently, I would point out that you actually (laughs) sort of like, you're, 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 you're having difficulty differentiating between pursuing your strategy as a dude. So you have this really refined strategy of what you're looking for. Yeah. You're saying it's the woman you'd want to marry, but who knows? You haven't married anybody. Right. And then you immediately backed off and said, well, if I was going to have a kid, I'm not sure if that's the choice I would make. And you're like, okay, well, and, and, and the other thing I would say personally is that I think that you are s- substituting experiences for IQ or just intelligence. And so a person who was sufficiently smart, you would, yeah, you could have shared experiences with. Yeah, I guess I, good. Th- fine. I do Even think if they were that- naive. I think that people who collect experiences more probably correlate with a higher IQ, but yeah, that's right. And so you're basically, yeah. And actually it could be, I I think I could persuade you that it would be fun to find somebody who was more naive, maybe from a small town, but it's like, yeah, I want to do all these things and like can profit from them is able to like meet you at at, at a reasonable level and stuff like that. Um, But it's, but, but my overarching point here would be that it's really, really difficult for a guy to come up with the strategy for a woman of who they would want because the, because the man has a strategy. Yeah, your strategy, my, my all of our strategies is to get sexual diversity. Some men do that by um, 
having lots of partners. Some men do it by creating sex podcasts <laughs> and su- having subreddits <laughs> and, and the like. Uh, right, right. So. Um, I would right. love, by the way, if one of these people who had a problem with that would want to engage in a debate about it. I, I think I think they don't want to or maybe afraid of me or something. Um, I, mean, I think it's possible they're just fairly, in that 1% category. It is, yeah. I think you're a fairly intimidating debate foe just because you're so skilled at it. Um, yeah, but I get, but, but these folks uh, sort of dismiss if, me. They're just yes. like, look, this person's not even worth listening to. And I don't think, I think they're, if I, I mean, if I build myself up a little here, like, I think they're uh, wrong. I think they should at least engage with me. Like with what I say, like, I don't, I don't think, uh, just saying, oh, well, this is not worth my time. It's like, Hmm, I don't, I'm not sure yeah. about that. Uh, you could me, reject me after hearing it. For me, I enjoy arguing with you because if I walk away saying, huh, that's a good point. Maybe I need to change my mind on this. That's good. Sure. Like, I don't want to like have this like insular bubble where, you know, I'm not challenged to, um, you know, come up with stuff. And to the yeah, and to these folks' credit, I I did appreciate the challenge of steel manning their case. I may not have done a perfect job of it, but I yeah. did sit down and it was interesting to sort of try, come up with it. And I do think, um, this does come down to like the very culturally relevant sort of culture war thing of, <clears throat> are we allowed to say, hey, the majority of people are heterosexual, hey, very few people are trans, or do we have to pretend, you know, and where does that end? What? What, what, who, who do we, what, what are the things that we have to, it's that thing of having the map where you erase all the sizes of the roads. Like when we, when we teach our children, are we allowed to say you're probably not trans or do we have to, <laughs> we have to not say that, you know? And I mean, I confronted this with my own kids you don't know if they're going to be trans or gay or you don't know when they're little. And so you try to be open to it, but you want to reassure them. I felt as a parent, like I should reassure them that probably they're not, probably they're just the, down the middle. Because that's reassuring for a kid. Now, if they're not, I say, hey, good. That's cool too. And so so anyway, I think there's this culture war thing of like, I, I feel strongly that you should be honest about the percentages of the population that fit in each bucket and then not and then tolerate each other. But I think others don't think that. They should think we should ignore the percentages and just say, look, it's exactly the same if you're gay, straight, trans, promiscuous, not tr- promiscuous. You should, because, because admitting that something's a minority already harms it. A group it already harms the group if you admit they're a minority. I think that's sort of the feeling behind some of this. Yeah, I mean, it gets really complicated. Like, you sh- shouldn't try this at a dinner party, but you know, ask people with young children uh, if they think that they have any influence on their child's sexuality, and if they thought their child was leaning a certain way if they would put their thumb on the scale at all. And yeah, people don't really know how to act when asked that question. My feeling strongly is that your thumb wouldn't do anything. All you can do is harm. All you can do is harm. If they're gay, they're going to be gay and you just need to, that would be my, that's, that's the impression I've gotten from all my reading. What if they're 12 and they're in a TikTok bubble and they think they're trans? Well, I think that you, I think, I think that's really hard. Um, I like, yeah, we actually have, uh, I think, I think have, you're right. The have parents a of, can't do anything, yeah. but I don't know if a 12 year old who, you know, is insecure and watching a lot of right. certain kinds of content can't be steered by something. Um, probably not the really parents, hard. 
the parents will actually probably make anything worse by trying to put their thumb on the scale. That's right. I think I think that teenagers, I guess I was interpreting your question about, like, say, a six-year-old. Teenagers, of course, historically, you had the goth teens and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's an area where this tends to happen. And I think that you... Um, Ideally, I mean, yeah, uh, I know this is politically incorrect, but I would definitely come on the side of you should not do permanent things to the kid. You don't have to say no, but I would say like, hey, don't, don't, don't uh, like remove your breasts yet. You know, wait till you're an adult. I would, I'd view it that way. And there are, I should say, European countries that have come down on that side. I know the U.S. is still like vigorously debating this issue. Yeah, and it's super politically charged. But yeah, I uh, had a long conversation with. Uh, uh, someone who is a trans advocate, and it was sort of interesting. But I want to research some of the things he said before I feel comfortable sure. talking about and it. We here. have we have a family friend who has a son who became a daughter, and uh, I get to hear about that sometimes. And it's it's in, it's not it's the thing I would say about it is I gain respect for how complex it is. It's yeah. not it's not like you know, these people talk about it like it's oh well you just do this. It's like no 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 it's. Yeah. Like these are people who have a lot of problems. Like you yeah. know, it's not their life isn't simple, and they're dealing with a lot of stuff. And it's you're a parent, and you're trying just like keep your kid alive, keep right. them safe, keep yeah. them at as home. happy as you can. Yeah. Yes, and it's very complicated, and I have some respect for that. Yeah. All right, let's do a couple lighter <laughs> topics yes. to ra- wrap up the show here. All right, this person says, my girlfriend body shamed me. So last night, my girlfriend mm. saw me naked for like the one thousandth time. Except this time, she claims it was the first time I wasn't hard. I don't really believe this to be true, but anyway, she ended up calling my penis tiny, cute, and a baby penis. I immediately felt embarrassed and ashamed, which I know I probably shouldn't. To make matters worse, she is a nurse, so she has seen a bunch of dicks from babies to old men. She also claims that she loves my dick and it is just a misunderstanding and that she used the wrong words. (laughs) Now I don't know what to think is true. I just feel like it's all going to be thinking about it's all, all I'm going, going to be, be thinking, thinking about, about when I'm when I'm having sex in the future, and my sexual yeah. confidence is now at an all-time low to the point of not even wanting sex with her anymore. I just feel like body comments should be off limits because you will always hurt the other person with them. Any Whoa. advice or thoughts on? Well, that's maybe he should have said negative body comments. Um, I don't interpret that as negative. It's sort of, I mean, how do you do? We, I, well, this comes down to like this, like penis size fear, right? I mean. I know exactly where I fall on the percentile chart. Where? That not. That's <laughs> no. Wait, what is what is your like, the? How, do you think you this person the, doesn't? I no, he probably doesn't. I think most people. I know it seems to you and me that everybody should have done this, and I certainly have as well. But uh, I think that most people don't because most people. I'm always amazed by how incurious so many people are. It's yeah, strange. I, I mean, there's so much in the world. Just get out and explore it. Like seriously, it's just strange. Just not sexually if you're a woman. I think that's a dig at me. (laughs) There's a lot. No, there's a lot that women can explore. Being a woman sexually would be very fun, I think. Um, but you you have to explore using your playbook. Anyway, Mm -hmm. how do you know what the so when when you talk about so the length is obviously simple, but if you talk about the girth of the penis, and I'm bringing this up because there was there's this Australian woman I follow on TikTok now who. She's an escort, which is legal there. And she has, she's very good at sizing men for condoms. So she has this tray of condoms with like eight different sizes. And she's like, yeah, like I never get it wrong. You know, I just have to see it. And I'm like, boom, you're this size. And that got me wondering. I was like, huh. So I, I paused the video and I got a bunch of the condoms <laughs> uh, and I looked up uh, their, their, how big they are. 
And the length there's is really There's different brands? Simple. There's not one brand yes. that has eight different sizes? No. she Well, I mean, she had also like latex-free and blah, blah, blah. She had like a series of things. All right. By the way, she has a really big forehead, which you told me means that she was probably a premature baby. Mm. Isn't that right? Okay. It is a common consequence of being a premium. Yes. Yeah. She has a really big forehead. But anyway, uh, very attractive though. Um, so th- she said that the most important thing is the girth, which is the circumference. The Do you, important thing for you... condom sizing? The important yes. thing for being for satisfied? Sizing. Okay. Con- well, she says that she gets a lot of extra large guys. This... It's a little bit gross because she like talk about how like she'll have three appointments or whatever. At the end of the day, she said she sometimes has to like put ice in a condom oh, in her vagina to like sort of cool God. it down. That is the whole thing's kind of rough. Yeah, um, but uh, what do you have any idea what your girth is? Have you measured that? How did you take like a string and put it around while erect? I don't the know point? the number, but I know I know my percentile. Okay, I've done uh, it before. I, found, I don't remember the number. I remember I my length. That, I don't remember my girth. Okay, I believe the average girth is like 4.5 to 4.75, and I think mine was five, so a little bit above average. Nice. Um, but, well, I mean, when you watch porn, though, there are guys on there that are much, much thicker, so it's like whatever. Is five a little bit above average? I mean, I know it's only yeah. a half inch yeah. above average, but like maybe that puts you four standard deviations out. I, I have no idea like how I much variance there is in um, girth. I think it put me out of her eight condom sizes. It put me in the third largest. So, okay. so not, I think, I think no, unfortunately or whatever. Fortunately slash unfortunately it's not. Uh, yeah. It makes not. sense that girth is the thing that matters in condom sizing because yes. you just unroll it less if you're, if you have a shorter dick, but it, it needs to not slide off and it needs to not be so, you know, you don't want it to be hermetically sealed in there because it might rip or tear yeah, I have to I have to say that this this comment though about the having the small penis actually I liked it. It kind of turned me on because because I don't have any hangups about my penis size. So I'd be like, it would make me the way I would react to that mentally. In fact, I did a little when you read it. Mm-hmm. Was like, oh well, now I'll show you. It was like a it was like I, I took it as like a, a challenge, and yeah, I was like, can, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be fine at this, and you can, I'll show you, you what this thing this could guy. do to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> well, every guy's, co- I mean, I've been in, you've been in the shower. Every guy's cock is pretty small yes. when flaccid. Right. right. Like yeah. I don't understand. Right. It'd be inconvenient. I mean, man, in, in many ways, it's fortunate that there's this big meme about like some men are growers, some men are showers, right? Like the meme is that, you know, some people have tiny penises when they're flaccid, but they, they grow a lot. That's a grower. And then a shower yeah. is somebody whose penis is kind of big, even when it's flaccid. But that meme is so like imbued into our culture that, you know, you don't need to feel badly or insecure when you're in a locker room if you have a penis that is a grower or, right, if, you, or if you just happen to have a penis that's small, and, but it's neither a grower nor a shower. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's not a material. In fact, yeah. In a women's locker room, actually, the women get much more information about your body. Yeah. Than an immense because they can mm-hmm. see your breast size. So right. there's actually like a thing you can size out there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could see their balls size, but that's, I don't know. Penis size doesn't matter that much. I mean, it, if you have a micro penis, it's a problem. Agreed. If you have, if you have a penis that's below average in length, you, the, the main problem is going to be psychological issues your whole life worrying about whether it matters or not. It's not, 
you're unlikely to have like a bunch of experiences where like women are like, oh, you're just too small. I would imagine that could be the case. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Moving on. Uh, your, your 135 episode arc of trying to get me to give you the exact dimensions of my penis. Oh, I don't care. We'll, we'll continue. I just want to, I just, I'm just, no, I don't, I, it is true that look, if your penis, this is the fact this is okay. This is probably the main way this matters for guys. Yeah. Is it is a fact that if your penis is above a certain size, you never think about it. And I never think about it. I, yes. I never do. It doesn't matter. Is... And I'm, I'm always surprised when like, yeah, I can tell you have like some emotion about this and I'm like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't, I, I've ne- like, it's just, I never think about it. This is like, the thing. I, a certain age I saw, it was a certain length and I was like, oh, fine. The emotion around it, the like insecurity around it is a far bigger imposition than yes. like women don't. Of course not. Like there was a period where like I kept asking my partners how long they thought my penis was and they like routinely overestimated. Like um, maybe they were just being nice. Who knows? Actually, the the tough part of that story is you asking them. Uh, no, but I mean, I have since decided that like this this was like in my early twenties. Like I have yeah, since yeah, yeah. recognized that this is not. Can you imagine if you were like an experienced woman and your partner asked you that? You'd be like, Yeah, oh, I know why you're asking. Right? Yeah. There's only one. It's like a really that, bad. It? It's right. bad signaling. Bad. You never yep. never should say that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a ten four. All right. Uh, this person says. Uh, Boy, we used to talk about this a lot. We haven't talked about this for a while. My boyfriend told me I'm loose. I feel horrible despite reading articles about how vaginal looseness is a myth. Mm. I think it is a myth, but the magnitude of myth, it's like penis size matters, but how much it matters is, is is the thing to discuss here. Okay. A while ago, I, a 20-year-old female, nice, started dating my boyfriend, a 28-year-old male. Hmm. I come from a conservative culture that shames women for sleeping around, so I ended up, um, people like you, Mike, so I ended up with a lot of internalized misogyny. I don't sleep around, and even when I masturbate, I don't use toys or watch porn because I don't want to make myself loose or impure. I only use one or two fingers at most. I know, it's really toxic. Huh, interesting that she uses fingers inside of herself to masturbate most women just what was use... the thing that was toxic oh her insecurity around oh i got it looseness yeah you're right i mean most women don't insert anything but it's a thing it happens well maybe she is loose because all right let, let me keep reading i doubt it before i I'm teasing listeners. Calm down. Uh, My boyfriend, however, is much more experienced with sex. He's talked about his past experiences in hooking up, BDSM relationships, etc. His previous relationship was long distance, lasted four to five years, and I guess they did a lot of sexting slash phone sex, so he's really desensitized. Okay. He has no trouble getting or staying hard, but he's never cummed while having sex with me. He he needs to watch porn and masturbate for like 30 minutes in order to come out. Okay. <laughs> and now he's I, saying it's her. I, he's saying yeah, she's loose. Right, she's loose, right. Long story short, we started playing with things and he gets really he gets me really aroused. I get very wet and relaxed. When we eventually had sex, he asked if I had if I had had a lot of sex recently and implied I feel loose. Things got worse this week when he started shaming me for being loose in bed and insisted that we do anal because it would be tighter. Oh my lord. This morning, we barely had vegetal sex before he started anal. He also made comments about how my asshole will get looser as well, and one day even anal is not going to feel good for him. This guy sounds... This, I, wow. I finally cried afterwards and asked if I was really loose. He hesitated and said, it's fine. I still like, like I still like you a lot. 
I, I feel crushed. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't sleep around, barely masturbate, and can't think of a reason why I'd be loose. I read articles about how vaginal looseness is a myth, but that doesn't change the fact that he can't come with me. Okay, this is kind of heartbreaking. Um, this is an example of a guy <clears throat> who is not has not refined his strategy. Here's a guy who would easily be picked off by another guy, meaning right. another guy could get his partner from him because right. he's just saying idiotic things right. and he needs to stop beating off all the time. <laughs> That's porn. right. That's or right. he just you know decreases intensity. <laughs> right. Just lo- loosen the, the grip a little bit. This yes. last sentence or this last paragraph I was going to skip, but it, it has, a, <laughs> has a little nugget in it I think you'll like. I looked up how to tighten my vagina, tried kegels, yes. and even did a vaginal tightness test. Uh, she goes on. The test showed my vaginas tightness and elasticity are all great. I I really need to know what this test was. I don't understand this. What's going on? Am I really going to have to resort to laser treatment or surgery to tighten my vagina? A lot of the reviews say they're trying these treatments because they've had multiple children. I'm very young and definitely have not had children. I'm confused and hurt and don't know why this is happening. The only thing I can think of is maybe I get too aroused and relaxed with him so my vagina doesn't tighten up well. No, lady... The problem is your your boyfriend's a, is a turd. Um, yes, uh, I think there could be mild differences in tightness, but I can't. I don't think if you lined up like all the vaginas I've ever been inside, like I don't. I mean, I might recognize them in a photo, but I don't think I would be able to tell from feeling. Right, I think that the tightness test must be something like the only thing I can think of that would be sorry you need calipers or something right yeah no No, I knew you would like that I was thinking that maybe you stick something in and then you stand up and see if it'll fall out but you would need different weights yeah you well and and how you stand would matter too to her point wetness can matter a little bit like if you're sure if you're more wet then there's it's it's not that there's less tightness it's that there's a little bit less friction that's right. That's right. So he would, he would, uh, he might perceive that as less tight. Yeah. I mean, if you're, but that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is this guy <laughs> masturbates too much and is an insensitive asshole. Yeah. If you're switching to anal to get more tightness, like that's not, that's unusual. That's not sort of normal. That's, that's not typical. <laughs> and you're going to, yeah, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. She'll just, she's just going to meet some other guy who says the right things and then that's going to be it for him. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, it's, uh, he must, maybe he's very attractive. It's always interesting when you read these things and it's like the, you wonder how the, how the guy is able to, you know, well, yeah, I mean, cause presumably he's had other women that were tight enough, maybe because they were not lubricated. Maybe, maybe. or maybe he's just shaming her because he feels bad that he can't come. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, guys have odd behaviors. Everybody's got weird behaviors. Sure. Yeah, he's he's just projecting here in a <laughs> bizarre way. I mean, maybe he's trying to get her to break up with him. I don't know. It, it's just hard to know. Like those things that he said are so. Have you ever tried to get a girl to break up with you? Ah, uh, like why would a guy do that? I mean, why not just do it? I mean, well, you just do it yourself, or just keep fucking her. Maybe you don't want her to villainize you. You don't want to hurt her feelings. This is not a good reason not to break up with someone. It's a good reason to break up with someone, but. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I guess somebody would just have to be sort of cowardly. 
not willing right. to just that's, have the conversation. That is the primary word is is cowardice. Okay. Yeah. And so what would what kinds of things would a guy do to get I mean, other than switching to anal and then complaining that it all it too was going to be less tight. Oh, like don't you can... don't uh, don't eat any fiber. I don't want this to get to get enlarged. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, this guy is definitely deploying a great playbook if he's trying to figure out how to get broken up with. But no, the more generic thing is you just stop being as responsive. You're less present yes. as a partner and that kind of yes. stuff. I think that's right. I think that that I think. Well, the thing I actually wanted to ask you is whether there's a, okay. If you if you create two categories, one is the thing you just said, and one is the category that I would call like abuse. This guy, what this guy's doing is kind of abusive. Yes. Is there a third category? Like, mm. will a woman break up with you? F- yeah, if you're really present, I guess if you're just, I think I think the other category is going to be if you're kind of lame as a guy. In other words, they're going to detect things in your character that you can't really change. Yeah, if you're I think a loser, if you're really present. Right, exactly. But I'm not sure if there's a third. Like, if I told you, you have to be, you know, just be yourself, and this girl likes you a lot. You have to be present. You can't do sabotaging things. Her. I yeah. don't think she would break up with you. I don't think I don't think it would ever happen. Oh, maybe <laughs> um maybe she wants to get married and then you're like, "No." That's- oh, sure. You could say like, "I don't want to have kids. I just decided." Or well, I okay. I was yeah, same same it's the same axis. I was thinking like she starts hinting strongly that she wants you to propose to her and you don't. And then Right. So like there are, but it's an interesting point that the flow chart of how a woman breaks up with you. This would be like a useful thing to give to a teenage boy. I would have benefited from this as a teen. It's not a very, like, I think, I think, um, the flowchart for a guy is much more complex. Like a guy, I mean, the biggest one is going to just be like a, a hotter chick or a new chick <laughs> was willing to have sex with me. But right. I, I actually think it's, it's more sophisticated. Whereas the female one, it's pretty simple. Well, <laughs> and you nailed it at the beginning there, which is the paying attention, like not. Yeah. And be it's, present. Don't be a loser. Yes. And, and the present thing is like, it's not, it's not be present the amount you think you should be present. It's be present around with some negotiation, the amount she wants you to be present, which is going to be probably more than you want to be present. And that's going to be what gets you broken up with if you're just sort of not understanding that. That's been my general finding. Yeah. Um, yes. All right. That will do it for this episode of Your Mileage May Vary. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback last week. I wonder if we'll get the same this week. Uh, but if you have any, yeah, please send it. And if you want to come on the show to debate any of this with us, we will definitely have you on and, you know, we'll be mostly pleasant or at least like I'll, I'll commit to being pleasant. Well, if you're not an idiot. <laughs> um, and uh, we pay $10 for any feedback received, even if it's short. So uh, you can send that to ymmvpod at gmail.com and just give us your PayPal or Cash App or whatever there. Uh, you can also ask us questions. And if you want us to keep those private, let us know. Uh, otherwise, we may use it on the show. Uh, we thank you for your listenership. And we look forward to catching you next week on Your Mileage May Vary. Je veux et je viens Entre tes reins Je vais et je viens Je me veux